0: Welcome to America's Commercial Real Estate Show, your source for market intel, forecasts, and strategies. Hello, I'm Michael Bull. Thank you for being with us. This segment's brought to you by my company, Bull Realty. For custom asset and occupancy solutions, visit bullrealty.com. Well, there's a lot going on in the economy today, a lot going on in commercial real estate. And no matter who you are in any fashion related to commercial real estate, one of the things that's coming up in a big way right now with the coronavirus is rent and rent abatement. It is now March 26th, and this thing seems to be changing day by day. And one of the types of properties, the sectors that's, that's really having issues is retail, and, and and of course a lot of it's because of this shutdown and uh, a lot of restaurants and and retail stores are really just shut down. So difficult for some of these tenants to pay rent, but who should pay rent? Who shouldn't? How should you handle that if you're an advisor or if you're a tenant or a landlord? A lot going on here. So I went to one of my experts I know in lease negotiations. That's John Neville, and he's a partner with AGG, Arnold Golden Gregor. and he's joining us on video. John, thanks for joining us, sir.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: I like your big turny leather chair there at your home. Nice. It's
1: very, it's very comfortable. I, I, I am. I wish we were in the office, but I must say I'm a little more comfortable in a golf shirt and shorts than I would be if I were sitting in the office and my chair is more comfortable here too.
0: There you go. Well, John, let's, let's get into some of the questions. And you know, you've been doing this a long time and, and, and dealing a lot with retail tenants and landlords and developers. So um, here we are today, March 26th. What are you seeing today in that regard to retail tenants and, and payments?
1: Well, it, it's, it, there's two buckets of issues, right? I mean, let, let's start from 20,000 feet up. We have a force majeure, you know, which is a term that's used in almost every lease. This was something that couldn't be predicted. Um, it's something that no one caused, And so um, almost universally, it, it's recognized as a force majeure. There have been a couple of, of, of landlords that have come out and contested otherwise, but but certainly most have agreed. The force majeure generally allows one to delay action. So what that means is our tenants, our restaurants can close down. They can modify their hours. They can offer takeout when the lease may say they can't. Um, There are a lot of operational things that can be changed because of the force majeure. The force majeure also allows delay, right? So it can allow a construction project to be delayed, most likely. It can allow a delay in, um, you know, performing other duties, delivering reports, and and other submittals that might be required under the lease. Um, but the force majeure doesn't excuse; it only delays those types of actions, which is important to note. The more interesting question in my world, and one we've been fielding for the last two weeks, is what about rent? Yeah. Because a, a lot a lot of leases provide um, that. A force majeure does not excuse any payment of rent. And the reason for that, Michael, is that most force majeure clauses have been drafted thinking about like a tornado. Okay. And by that, I mean if, if, you know, a tornado came in and blew down a building, then, you know, obviously the tenant is excused from operating and the tenant should have insurance that would cover its payment of rent. And, you know, if rent was forgiven, then there would be no insurance claim. Right, So you've got to keep that obligation to pay rent or otherwise there's no available insurance. And so these clauses have have been in leases certainly as long as I've been drafting them. And, And nobody heavily negotiates it, or at least most people don't. Well, the problem we now have is that we have leases that say the tenant still has to pay rent, but we don't really have available insurance as we sit here today. Because most tenants' insurance, business interruption insurance, and landlord's rental interruption insurance are property cop policies, meaning that you have to have a property loss and property damage in order for there to be payment. Mm -hmm. And we can talk about that more if you want. But in short, the insurance companies are generally taking the position right now that COVID-19 is not a property loss, and so they're not paying. And the reason this is relevant to rent is that we have, a, we have leases that say that rent has to be paid, but we all sort of know in the business that the reason the lease says that is because everyone presumed there'd be insurance coverage. So if there's not insurance coverage, will that clause be enforced by a court? And we don't know. You know certainly it's black and white lease language, and in most leases that tenants still have to pay rent. But there's also a pretty convincing public policy argument that when we have small businesses and big businesses alike that are trying to keep their employees employed and keep the lights on and have a business to return to when, when life gets back to normal, you know, is it fair, a word we hate in the legal profession, but we're one that's relevant here. Is it fair to mandate that a tenant pay rent and maybe bankrupt his company um, in these circumstances? And, and I, you know, if the push comes to shove, of court's going to have to decide that at some point.
0: Yeah. And John, you represent tenants and and you also represent landlords. So um, if you are representing a retail tenant today, uh, and I know tenants are different based on uh, the tenant makeup and how large and how many stores and things they have and really what they do, but what should they think about? What should they check on? How, How should they think about handling this?
1: Well, uh, most importantly, and look, if I had a landlord that I represent sitting here beside me, I'd say it loud and clear with him right here. You know, the tenant needs to make sure they stay in business. You know, the tenant needs to make sure that when we come out of this, whether it's, you know, the day after Easter or whether it's May 1st or whether it's later, that the tenant has a business to operate. Because if the tenant goes upside down, then there will permanently be dark spaces in our shopping centers. And there will permanently be no ability to pay rent. And the best claims landlords may have may be unsecured claims and bankruptcy, which are generally not worth a whole lot to our landlords. So the tenant's only objective at this point should be how do I stay in business with my cash flow that's been adjusted? And how do I make sure that when things get back to normal, I can get open as quickly as possible? Um, Again, I, I go back to something I mentioned a minute ago. Force majeure is not an excuse to get out of deals. So if we have tenants that are looking to get out of deals that were bad anyway, this is not the time to do that. Um, This is the time to take a hard look at what each brand needs to do, what each franchisee needs to do and everything in between to be able to open up once things get better.
0: Yeah. Well, that makes sense. And I've seen some approaches from tenants that uh, would make you think as a landlord, Hey, let's work with them. And I've seen some, uh, (laughs) Uh, con- contacts from tenants that kind of upset upset a landlord and made him want to really really push back um, and what would you suggest for a tenant there
1: don't be do, do not be the outlier right you, know, you do, do not be the one that makes a, a novel and aggressive claim that when the landlord is looking at its 30 50 100 requests it's gotten this week that you, tenant, are the one that is the most obnoxious. <laughs> um, you know, I think we need to understand that, that it is pretty common right now that tenants are asking for some type of rent deferral or rent relief. Um, unfortunately, if you're a landlord, it's pretty common that, that some tenants are saying they're not going to pay rent in April um, because of current financial situations. And, and, and without passing judgment as to whether that is a lease default or not, it's a reality that landlords are dealing with. And I think as, as long as our, our tenants recognize that you know, we, the, they're in this together with the landlords, the landlords often have mortgages or shareholders they've got to pay to, and, and the tenant approaches it with, with a, a cooperative spirit, um, I think, Michael, there are deals to be had. But again, I think if a tenant is the outlier and a tenant's the one that's being hyper-aggressive or a tenant is trying to use COVID-19 as an excuse to, to trim 10% of its worst-performing outlets, I, I think that tenant is is, is going to have a really difficult time.
0: Okay, and let's look at it from the landlord side for a moment. Um, you know, if you've got a tenant that's a, a larger tenant, a tenant that's that's been doing well for a while, um, you had a set rent. That tenant was maybe killing it for a long time, uh, and he's uh, that tenant's agreed. A contractor agreed to pay a certain amount of rent. Now all of a sudden, he's going through a tough patch, maybe. Um, it really, is it fair for that tenant that's that's been doing extremely well, has a lot of cash in the coffers, to for a landlord to really consider giving them a break? You use the word
1: fair again. As a, <laughs> as a lawyer, it makes me—you can't see the goosebumps in my arm—that so it makes me nervous and uncomfortable. Um, but but sh- look, a- every fact and circumstance is different. Okay, but the challenge here is that so many tenants have been forced to close whether by governmental mandate, or just because of consequences, that even though there may not be a governmental mandate in a particular area, the the fact that people are scared to go out, that we have so many tenants impacted that trying to go case by case may be really difficult for a landlord. Um, It's just not practical to review every lease or review every circumstance right now, as as landlords are trying to deal with, with the crisis. And so, you know, a lot of times, Michael, again, talk about the bell curve, if we can be within the bell curve, and if we can have um, a consistent approach for most of our tenants, I think you'll see those deals be reached, whether the tenant is really well funded or not well funded, whether they're big or they're small, the key is trying to take care of as many situations as landlords can take care of at one time.
0: Yeah, and I, I really get it on the small mom and pops, the, the restaurants, the, the nail salons, the things that y- you know that, hey, they're gonna fold up shop if you, if you make them pay rent, they really can't do it. Uh, but, but again, back to, to a larger tenant that, that has been making a lot of money. Uh, you know Is it this force majeure? Is this a reason that even though you know they have the more ability maybe than you do as a landlord to pay your mortgage? You could have a small landlord that could struggle if the tenants don't pay, but a really strong tenant that's asking for a deferral that, you know, is putting really more hardship on that landlord.
1: It is. And I think the key, you use the word deferral. And I think that's important for everyone listening to us and watching us right now, Michael, is that deferral is the key. I think a landlord waiving rights, giving up rights to rent um, is probably not the best idea right now if it can be avoided, only because we don't know how the insurance situation is going to play out. You know, we don't know. There may be governmental mandates where, where the insurance companies are told they have to recognize business interruption in, in, in face of COVID-19. Um, so, so to forgive rent, especially for a larger tenant, I, I, I don't think that's being done right now very much, right? I think there's deferral that's going on, again, in an effort to sort of deal with things across the board. Um, but if you're talking forgiveness, you know, short of a mom and pop business, which is never going to be able to pay that money. And frankly, the mom and pop business that probably doesn't impact the credit of the project. I think forgiving rent right now is, is a pretty tough ask by any
0: tenant. Yeah. defer it. So at some point it's, it's paid to the landlord uh, hopefully. Um, so how important is it, uh, John, if, um, if you're, you have so many tenants that it becomes difficult to, to negotiate deals in writing with every one of them or, or you're a smaller landlord or tenant and, and you just, you don't pay and the landlord says, I get it, you can't pay. And how important is it to have a written agreement at this point? If
1: I'm a tenant, I, I always want a written agreement, right? Any, anything I can get um, as a tenant to make sure that I'm, I'm not in default of my lease as I am not paying my rent, Um, I'm I'm gonna want something in writing. I'm gonna want it, but I may not get it. And the reason is is that many landlords, especially the larger landlords, are taking a wait and see approach. And and there is a real fear that if too too much is documented, if even deferrals, but certainly rent abatements, rent forgiveness, if that's documented, it can impact significantly insurance claims that the landlords might otherwise be able to make. And, and because we don't really know how the insurance issue is going to play out right now, um, a, a lot of landlords are taking a wait-and-see approach, which is basically a, 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 you know, telling the tenants that we're not going to sue you right now, uh, but at the same time, we're not going to say everything's okay either. And I think that's more true with payment of rent than closures. I do not really see any landlords that have been aggressively contesting a closure in light of COVID-19, but certainly tenants that have said they're not paying rental and you know, landlords have pushed back and said, um, you know, I don't like this. Um, I, I'm not going to kick you out this month, but this is to be continued.
0: Okay. And you mentioned, uh, I guess there's an outside uh, potential for business interruption insurance uh, for the tenant. So maybe he, he, the tenant gets that and can, can pay the rent later. Also there's a $2.2 trillion stimulus package that may pass what today or tomorrow. Um, and, uh, and 350 billion for small business to really help them pay rent, right and pay their employees. So if you are doing a verbal email or written agreement for deferral of rent for April with a tenant and you're a landlord, would it be important to have something in writing that, hey, if one of these two events comes up that, uh, that, that you have to pay it immediately, And then you think about some of the tenants, John, that maybe they're small tenants and you realize that they were working on such a tight margin um, that even just deferring the rent is probably something that's that's not going to help them Uh, in the future. They're not going to be able to pay it back anyway. And the tenant may in that position look at it and go, gee, I was barely making it anyway. If I'm going to pay it someday, I might as well shut down. Uh, So let's say it's a case where the rent is being abated. How important is it to maybe have something in the uh, uh, lease amendment uh, for uh, compensation to the landlord if, if the tenant gets some relief later?
1: You know, you can, you can put it in the agreement, and if the tenant will agree to it, that's great. You know, I have enforceability worries, right? I mean, how are we really going to prove when that money hits the tenant's account? How are we going to prove that, that the money's not already been allocated to maybe a lender of the tenant or to pay employees of the tenant? Um, I, I think it's as an as a, um, in, inducement maybe for the tenant to, to pay you quicker as a landlord, I think it's a fine provision to put in the agreement. I think it'd be impossible to enforce. I just I, I don't think there's, there's no way that a landlord will be able to audit the books of its tenant to see when that money hits and demand it and then in turn gets paid you know, back to the landlord. So, you know, again, it goes to the point, Michael, that tenants and landlords have got to be cooperative in this situation. They've got, they've got to somewhat trust each other. And, and try and avoid swinging for the fences and being too aggressive on either side of the ask. And I think if they do that, you know, hopefully we'll come out of this together okay.
0: And John, do some of the um, landlords, if they're going to defer rent, or, or certainly if they're going to forgive rent, um, do they need to think about um, violations of covenants in their uh, mortgages and their loans?
1: Maybe. I mean, I think that there's a, and, and I'm honestly not as on top of the lending piece of this. I mean, we have a, a lending department as well. And, and, you know, just like you, I'm sure we're getting, you know, 50, 100 emails a day from not just our firm, but different firms that are, that are looking at these issues. Um, the general consensus is that lenders, you know, aren't going to massively default their borrowers for this short-term issue. But I mean, just like the lease strictly says that tenants must pay rent, even in light of COVID-19. You know, a lot of loan documents say that their borrowers must strictly pay their rent, notwithstanding, are going to pay their mortgage, notwithstanding what's going on with the, the, the lack of rental flow. And there are consequences for that. We just got to see, you know, how, how this plays out and um, how benevolent the lenders are. Early indications are that they're going to be pretty benevolent for the short term.
0: Yeah. And you mentioned that if you're a tenant, you'd really like to have this... Um, the payment of deferral and, and writing uh what if you look at it from the landlord side you mentioned that there might be some precautions uh, uh on the landlord side of really wanting to to do that for now
1: yeah I, again the, the bigger the landlords it seems that there hasn't put anything in writing right now because just the massive size of an insurance claim that might exist if you you know are a big REIT with with hundreds of properties across the country you know if you mess with that insurance Claim because you're you're documenting deferrals that would be a really bad thing. Um, I, I do think that there are plenty of landlords that are documenting deals, and you know we're seeing deals documented give or take at 60 days right now. You know I don't think anyone really knows how long is is going to be um, ongoing with our current situation. I mean I, I know the president made an announcement a couple days ago, hoping the day after Easter. I think a lot of us think that's ambitious. I think there is increased talk right now of it being different depending on your geographic area. If you're in New York, it might be different than if you're in Boise, Idaho. But I think at the end of the day, 60 days from today, 60 days from the date of the amendment, covering April and May, seems to be the most consistent amount of time that most landlords are
0: addressing and documenting right now. Okay, and most of those are deferrals.
1: That is correct. And then you have a discussion is, is the deferral for base rent only? is the discussion for your triple net expenses as well. Um, you, know, you know what a tenant would ask for and you know what a landlord would ask for. And it's just, again, where, where the, the meeting of the minds will be. And it's tied partially to how, how you know, that tenant is, is situated and whether they're tied to the credit of the center and how much they're paying.
0: Yeah, and I guess how important that tenant is uh, to, the, to the landlord and their lender, right?
1: Yeah, and I think at this point, it's important to say, I mean, on behalf of all of our landlord friends, you know, right now, every tenant's important. Right? I mean, I, I, I think um, I, every tenant, even the, the the smallest credit nail salon in a massive shopping center is an important tenant right now, just because of, of not just, just co-tenancy reasons or things like that that would be legal. But I think from, I mean, every landlord wants people to come back to their property, right? And any tenant that is out of business somehow lessens the chance that people are coming back to their property quickly. So, yeah. um, you know, and most landlords, I think, are, 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 are really recognizing that. And it is a net positive the way people are working together. We just have a few outliers.
0: And hey John, we're talking with John Neville with AGG about uh, tenant and landlord issues today, uh, mainly around rent payments. Uh, and, and John, on deferrals, uh, agreements for deferring maybe March or April and May rent, um, what have you seen as typical uh, repayments of that deferral? Is it being spread over a certain amount of time after the deferral ends in a monthly prorated how 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 are you seeing things handled?
1: I think the most down the fairway, the one I've seen the most is probably is deferred for 12 months, Um, or amortized over a 12 month period with that first payment being due, in this case would be June, right? If you were doing a a, a deferral for April and May. Um, I've seen some landlords that want to make sure that it's not deferred beyond calendar year 2020 so that all the income would come in during the same calendar year, which would be, I guess, the fiscal year, probably more important. Um, I've seen some landlords agree that it can be deferred for a whole 12 months. You know, I had one landlord the other day um, that said that they were willing to defer the, the, whatever the deferral amount is, 30, 60, 90 days, deferred until June 1 of 2021, just to make sure the tenant was back on its feet. So I think it's something that's subject to negotiation.
0: Are they adding interest to that deferral?
1: I've not seen any interest on any amendment done.
0: Okay. Interesting. And then if it's deferred for a year on that example, would that the uh, lump sum payment due then, or then it started to amortize.
1: It was it, the lump sum would be due then.
0: I see. Interesting. Lump sum. But
1: you know, again, I think it's subject to, to negotiation. It's fluid. I mean, if, again, if the objective is that we don't want tenants to be put out of business, then if that lump sum would put mom and pop franchisee out of business, then I'm sure that can be negotiated at that time too. Just, you know, landlords need to be careful that tenants are not being opportunistic, right? And and, and so in negotiating these deals, the objective is to survive COVID-19. The objective can't be to correct permanently um, a location or a business that was otherwise failing. And so every time the landlord's reviewing a proposal, you know, they have to keep that in mind.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's important too for listeners and viewers to think about their position in the situation. you I know, mean, sometimes, like I said earlier, I see a very professional tenant um, with uh, negotiating with a landlord that may own one property. Uh, and is and at a real disadvantage. Um, and I think in those cases, really, you know, consult your professional broker and attorney uh, and, and get some advice. Uh, John, what would you leave our audience with to think about related to, um, this situation at the moment, here we are, March 26th.
1: Yeah, I, I would leave, since we've been talking about rent, I would leave with a couple a couple bullet point takeaways, right? Which is that number one, again, force majeure, which is what we're dealing with, does not excuse performance. Okay, so, so this cannot and should not be used as grounds to exit leases. You know, you and I have talked on your show before about strategies for getting out of deals. This is not a strategy for getting out of the deal. This is is a time to work together cooperatively to get through this together. The second thing I I, I would point out is, again, like we said earlier, stay within the bell curve. right? Limit your ask. Don't swing for the fence if you're a landlord. Don't swing for the fence if you're a tenant. Come up with something that allows the tenants to stay in business um, because that is going to be our key, right, is for the tenants to, to stay in business. And number 3 both for our landlords and our tenants and we've not specifically mentioned this yet, you know, when we've been talking here. Contact your insurance broker. Let your insurance company know of a potential claim. Again, it is likely as we stand here today that your your business interruption insurance is not going to cover COVID-19. That might change, but all insurance policies say that you have to put your carrier on notice. So contact your insurance agent, contact your insurance broker, go ahead and put parties on notice. That helps both landlords and tenants, and may get them some funding later.
0: Interesting. So even if you're a landlord, uh, contact your insurance agent because potentially there could be some relief there.
1: That is right. They have rental interruption insurance that is typically a property policy. So it's the same issue we mentioned earlier, right, is that really with COVID-19, it's not like a tornado. The building's not been torn down. But um, there still may be direct- you know, directives from Congress that say these insurance companies need to pay. And um, the best thing that can be done right now is, is, is to file the claim. And, and, and similarly, on that point of notice, Michael, I would also say that, that some landlords and tenants um, have leases that say that notice is required in order to benefit from a force majeure by asking for delay. So if you have a small enough portfolio of leases, review your leases and see if you're a landlord or a tenant if you need to provide notice of this force majeure. It sounds a little bit silly, right? Because we all know what's going on in the world. But still, if the lease requires notice, the lease requires notice. Um, If you have a big portfolio of leases and you don't have the, the resources or the time to go through all of your leases, most um, tenants and landlords we're seeing are blanketly sending letters to all of their tenants or to all of their landlords mm-hmm. saying, hey, just so you know, we have a force majeure event right now and they're doing that so they don't have to go lease by lease and see where notice is required. But and, I think it's important for your people to know that there are those provisions.
0: Yeah, I like that. And as your, from your advice before, uh, you recommend doing that in a, um, I guess a professionally positive way. <laughs>
1: Correct. You know, you you can point it at you. Can, you can point, if you're a tenant, you can certainly point out the current situation. You know, if you're a tenant and you're making the decision not to pay rent, you know, you can point out the fact that you know that the lease says I have to pay rent, but you know I'm making this choice anyway. Um, you know, and and you can do it gracefully and and with an ask for for either forgiveness or at least working with with the tenant. You know, as compared to to coming down with a hammer. Just I, I, this is not a time for hammers. I don't believe.
0: Yeah, good point. John, great information as usual. Thank you for joining us, sir.
1: I appreciate being on. Thank you.
0: All right. Well, thank you for joining us around the country. I hope you found uh, this helpful. We're certainly going through strange times or a little different than we've seen before. Hey, we will get through this. Things will turn around. Uh, Life will get back to normal. Uh, Stay positive. Uh, Let us know if you have any questions or things that, that you would like us to talk about on the show. Until next week, be sure that you always lead, learn, and laugh and join us for America's Commercial Real Estate Show. Have you seen the DNA of CRE? Well, it's a survey you can take about how commercial agents work day to day. Their technology, their challenges, the systems, and a lot more about how commercial agents and their marketing people work. And you get access to the results. So take the survey, check out the results. You can find it at the show website, which is CREshow.com. And then look for the DNA of CRE. Appreciate the show? Consider referring business or doing business with our sponsors. Bull Realty is a commercial real estate sales, leasing, and advisory firm doing business throughout the Southeast, headquartered in Atlanta. Visit bullrealty.com for more information. Commercial Agent Success Strategies provides video training for commercial agents. This training gets five-star reviews from even the most experienced brokers. Learn more at CommercialAgentSuccess.com. You're invited to connect with us on your favorite social media. You can find us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. Don't miss a show of special interest to you. Be sure and subscribe to the show on YouTube and Apple Podcasts. And at the show website, CREshow.com, you can subscribe for a weekly email announcing the show topic and guest. While you're there, you also found more videos and podcasts. Thank you for watching or listening to America's Commercial Real Estate Show.